Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. special day ahead of us. Yes, that's so exciting. Uh, I, I tell you what, let's pray. Let's pray for her. Let's pray for our service. And we've got a lot of exciting things uh, that are going to be taking place and going on. I don't know what that was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the Holy Spirit filling the place today. Amen. That's what it was. So let's stand and let's pray for her. And, and we're going to have a great, great day. And worship. Father God, we thank you so much for the picture of the gospel that we have just seen. Not, not only, not only was Christ crucified and buried and raised, but all of those who are in him are crucified, buried, and raised to have new life. Father, we thank you for Emily. We thank you for her life. We thank you for her decision 
accept Christ and we thank you for the change that's been brought about in her life. Father, I just pray for her journey as it goes forward today, that she'll grow in you, Lord, that she'll come to learn her unique gifting and how she can serve you and, and love you in the body of Christ. And Father, we pray for the faith community today that would continue to come around her and support her and encourage her. And I pray even now, God, uh, that your spirit uh, would speak life to those who, who need you, to those who need to do what Emily did, to accept you and to go public with their faith in you. So, Father, use this service today to proclaim. And, Father, we pray that your spirit will draw people and people will respond. We pray this in Jesus' name. tries to roll over my bones Sorrow comes to steal the joy Yeah. 
exciting day for us, and we really did not plan uh, for things to go this way today. Uh, sometimes things just kind of happen, they just kind of fall into place. Um, we could almost call this Ordinance Sunday, because there are two ordinances in the church that are visual, physical pictures of the gospel. We got to see the first one or one of them today 
in believer's baptism where you see a picture not just of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but for those who are in Christ, uh, they are also crucified and buried and raised to walk in newness of life in Him. Then you have the second ordinance, which is what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. And in the communion Lord's Supper experience, we have physical, visible elements that present to us a picture of the gospel. We have the bread, unleavened bread, that represents the body of Christ. We have a cup of the fruit of the vine, which is a grape juice or wine, which is a visual picture and reminder of the blood of Christ uh, that forgives us of all of our sin. The scripture says uh, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission of sin. So two ordinances given to the church by which we see and experience the gospel. Baptism, communion. And as we come to the Lord's table today, we are reminded that this is his table. Um, it's not my table. It's not first missionary's table. It's his table. And so all believers, all believers in Christ are welcome to partake of the Lord's Supper today. You don't have to be a member of this church. You can be united somewhere else. But this is for all believers in Christ. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to partake of the supper today. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So we are remembering why we exist, why the body of Christ exists. And that is to proclaim, to express, to share, to demonstrate, to love, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also are reminded in Scripture that in coming to the table, and by the way, we will bring the elements to you, um, we are to examine ourselves. And I think that calls for a time of reflection. And as I think about examining myself in Christ, I need to be mindful of where I stand with Him. And it's not based on my performance. It's based on grace. Where I stand with Him in regards to what Jesus did for me, not anything I've ever done for Jesus, but everything that He's done for me. So as I reflect, I think to myself, Lord, you know, there's times I don't feel worthy of this, but you tell me in your word because of Jesus I am worthy. There's times, God, I don't feel forgiven, but you tell me because of Jesus I am forgiven completely, that all my sin is buried through the blood of Jesus. So as I examine myself, it just gives me the chance to really think about my relationship with him. And so I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads with me and, and just take a moment of self-reflection. If there's anything undone in your relationship with Christ, maybe you haven't come to him in faith and said, I acknowledge I'm a sinner 
and I need you to forgive me. I need to be made new. Then maybe now you could even do that. God could even, through a a prayer that you pray, where you share your heart, just acknowledging, Father, I, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. I need to be made new. I need to be forgiven. And I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus was raised to give me new life. And so in faith, I am throwing myself upon your mercy and your love. And I'm inviting Jesus into my life. If you're doing that even right now, if you are sincerely doing that even right now. The scripture says that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can find salvation right now. And if that's happening to you or in you in our service today, if you come up and even while we worship and say, hey, I, I want to follow Christ in baptism, We'll make a way before you leave this place today. If you've accepted Christ, then I pray that the supper would speak assurance to you. That you'll be reminded that his body was broken for you, his blood was shed for you, And that upon your acceptance of Him, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. So let this speak fresh to you, your salvation in Christ. Let it be a time of renewal and healing, of just remembering all that He did for you and who you are in Him. So I'm going to invite our ministers of service, our deacons, to please stand. They will share these elements with you, and I will remind you that we'll be sharing unleavened bread in the trays that represent the body of Christ. Also, if you have a small child in the service today or a young person who has not accepted Christ, we don't want them to just feel left out in the sense that uh, they're an outsider or they have no place here. So we have put goldfish crackers in the communion trays for your little one. Now, we want to honor the significance of unleavened bread, and we're going to honor the significance of the elements. But if you have a little one, I don't want you smacking their hand when they go up to get a piece because they haven't accepted Jesus yet and then you tell them well, you can't do this and then they wonder why and then you can't even reflect upon the service for yourself so just grab a goldfish cracker and give it to them and you have your unleavened bread and you remember what Jesus did for you but also pray for the day that your child will come to know Jesus and they'll know the full significance of these elements So we're going to pray and then we're going to share these with you.
everyone's welcome to partake today who's accepted Christ. Father, as we come to your table, we thank you for the remembrance that we have today of Jesus. Father, we recall that time that Jesus came together with his disciples. We hear the words of Scripture. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, when the hour had come, he sat down in the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. He shared it with the disciples and then he took the cup in the same way and gave thanks. Father, bless this time that we have of coming to your table today. Might Jesus be exalted and glorified in our midst. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Make me an offering, make me whatever 
want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. So where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, the kingdom is here, let out my old flames to carry your new fire. Well, on this table represents all of our hope. All of our hope. Not anything in and of ourselves. But all my, all my hope, all my faith is right here represented at this table. Because apart from Jesus, I have no hope. I have no life. I have no forgiveness. Everything represented in these elements is my life. It's my hope. So when Jesus gave the bread to the disciples, he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus gave the cup to the disciples and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you 
in my Father's kingdom. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So in just a second, our ministers of service will come back by and uh, they will collect these empty cups from you. But as you stand with us right now, I want you to hold this cup in your hand and I want you to be reminded that, that you hold an empty cup that Christ emptied himself that you might be, that you might be filled. And not only did he give his, his best, but he gave his all. He gave his all to empty himself and to fill you. So these guys will receive these as we continue in worship, and it's just going to keep getting better and better and better as our service goes along in Jesus' name.
service, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our worship time. Father, you are worthy. 
you are worthy of all of our honor and praise and our glory. And Lord, as we take these tithes and offerings this morning, Lord, we just trust you with it. Pray that we would give out of a loving heart this morning. You've been so generous to us. Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor and praise you this morning. We pray and ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Just so good to be with you this morning. So glad that you're here. What a great time of worship we've already had uh, together this morning. Today we're going back in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. This is the second message in a, a, a much larger me- message that we began uh, last Sunday morning. So today we're coming back to Ephesians chapter 1. And if you missed that message last week, you can, you can see that on our, our YouTube channel, also our Facebook live stream might still have that posted. We'll encourage you uh, to go back and look at the first part of this message uh, that we're going to conclude today. So this past week, I was spending some time with a young man, and uh, he said, "Brother Allen," he said, "I, I just I've had this 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 question that I've been wanting to talk with you about." And I was like, "Okay, buddy." I said, "What well, what's on your mind?" He said. Um, there's times that I feel like a Christian, and then there's other times that I don't feel like a Christian. Can you help me? And my first, uh, my first response to him was, what does it feel like to be a Christian anyway? What does it feel like to be a Christian anyway? But I think what he was asking me, it was a much deeper, significant question, and it addresses a very, very, very significant issue that perhaps all believers deal with at some point in their lives. Uh, It could go something like this. Did I really get what I thought I got when I thought I got it? Did I really get what what I thought I got when I thought I got it? In other words, Am I really saved? And and then it goes beyond that. Can I be saved, genuinely saved, one moment and then be lost after that? Can I be saved one day and then be lost the next? Then can I come back, be saved again, and then be lost again? Can I be saved again and then be lost again? And it seems like some people will find themselves in a cycle that goes from assurance to non-assurance, from assurance to question, assurance to doubt, assurance to maybe even really deep, deep concern about the state of their soul. So this is a very, very serious issue that people deal with. What we want to do in this brief, brief message series is basically address the question, can I be genuinely saved one moment and then lost the next? Well, we're turning to Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 1, 
to begin to address this. Again, last week we looked at some other places in Scripture. We looked at some key places in Scripture that seemed to suggest that, yes, you could be saved one moment, but then genuinely lost the next. And we looked at some of those last Sunday morning, but today we want to come right back to Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to help us all to understand that when it comes to the issue of salvation, one of the most under-taught doctrines about salvation is the doctrine, or rather the teaching, of regeneration. You say, well, what in the world does regeneration mean? Regeneration is the understanding that when someone genuinely gives their life to Christ in faith, they are regenerated. They are, in fact, born anew. Uh, Jesus talked about this when he was addressing Nicodemus, and he talked about being born again or being born of the Spirit. Paul talks about this, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He addresses someone who's, who, is, who is saved, but yet they are regenerated. He says, if anyone is in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And one of the key understandings that we have in regards to being saved is that it's so much more than a choice. Scripture really teaches that salvation is a change. So much more than a choice, salvation is a change. A change of identity, a change of nature, a transformation of heart, a transformation of desire. So there is a big part of this that, that is on you coming to a place and point in your life where you genuinely understand your need. Your need for Christ. You recognize a hopeless condition of which you live in your sin. You hear the gospel. The scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You hear the gospel. And by hearing the gospel, faith in you propels you to, to either accept or to reject the gospel that you hear. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. And if, in fact, he is helping us to understand a chronology of where the gospel, hearing, believing, and regeneration comes into play or comes into any particular order, he addresses this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. He says, in him, which Paul's understanding is that when someone is saved, they are placed in Christ. It's not just a matter of you inviting Christ into your life or you inviting Christ into your heart. No, when you are genuinely born again and regenerated by God's Spirit, made new, you're placed into His heart, you're placed into His life. And someone once said it this way, that when we accept Christ, there's a great exchange. There's a great exchange. He takes all of my sin. He takes all of my sin. He takes all of my sin. All of it. 
all of it. In the Greek, the word all means, guess what? It means all, every one. He takes all of my sin, and then the exchange for my sin is that I receive all of his righteousness. Paul said, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become, that we would become the righteousness of God in him. So when you are placed in Christ and you're radically changed, you're given all of his righteousness. You are forgiven of all of your sin. If, in fact, he wants to put this in some type of sequence or order, it's expressed in 113. He says, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, listening, that's on you. Having also believed, that's on you. Then you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. This speaks of the work that he does in your life after faith. When regeneration takes place, and it's more than a choice, it's a change... He seals you, the scripture tells us, in him, in him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. We came to understand, learn last week, that in the ancient world, when a letter or a package or a crate was delivered, it had a seal that was placed upon it. It was sealed with a seal. And the seal would indicate from where the package, letter, or crate had come and to whom it belonged. In other words, the seal that was placed on that letter or on that package, it would mark ownership and it would also guarantee the authenticity of the contents. Now, this is huge in a Gentile world because the Gentiles had never received a mark of God on their lives. And in Ephesians chapter 1, the whole heart of the message of the book of Ephesians is how Gentiles and Jews, they become one new man in Christ. And, and they receive for the first time on their lives. First time in their lives, they receive a mark of God on them. And the Jews receive a new mark. And the mark is the seal that is given by the Holy Spirit. We could also say that if you go to Walmart and you buy a, a, a bottle of, of aspirin or ibuprofen or anything else, if you open it up, you're going to find a what? You're going to find a seal. If that seal is broken, then you cannot be guaranteed that what's inside that, that bottle or inside that packaging is authentic. That it is pure, if you will. That it is really what it says on the outside. But the seal is there to guarantee to you, the consumer, that when you open the lid, what's marked on the bottle is genuinely what is contained on the inside. God, after the choice is made, 
God brings about a change. And he seals you with the Holy Spirit of promise to, to mark God's ownership and to mark the authenticity of God's Spirit in your life as genuinely being of God. So again, this is so much more than a choice. This is a change. Therefore, to undo any of that, we would actually need the language in Scripture to talk about being unborn or untransformed. We would also need the language of Scripture to tell us that, that the seal could be broken and then placed back again. And the seal could be undone and then placed back again. We would need language in the Scripture that would suggest to us that you could in fact be regenerated, justified, changed, but then unregenerated, unjustified, and change made all over again. So much more than a choice. Salvation is a change on the inside out. Then he says this. He says, not only are you sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, but notice this. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of what? You, this is the end of verse 13. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Your salvation, your change comes with a promise. But I want you to notice something. It is not the promise that you make. It is not a promise you make to God. Have you ever made promises to God? Have you ever like really maybe blown it in sin and you really messed up? Now, some of you, you might have to go back, way back to your teenage years. Some of you, you might have to go back to this morning. I don't know. But have you ever made a promise to God and you said, God, I am so sorry. I will never do that again. God, if you will forgive me this time, I promise you, I will never do that again. God, I am so, so sorry. If you will just not let the consequences of my bad decision come over my life. God, if you will just pull me out this time. God, I promise to you, I will do better next time. I'll never do it again. And then time marches along. And you blow it again. And you mess up again. And maybe you messed up in the exact same way. Oh God, I'm so sorry. You see, our promises that we make, they're not always true. But here's what you need to know. When you give your life to Christ and you are placed in Him, regenerated and made new by God's Spirit, the promise that comes over your life is not a promise that you make to God. It's a promise that God makes to you. 
So when you think about how maybe flaky or uncertain or unsure or how your promises might be at times that come with really no genuine guarantee, we are now talking about the one who is perfect, who is now making, watch this, the promise in regards to your salvation. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of promise. He comes to us with a promise. And it's not a promise we make to God. It's a promise that God makes to us. In verse 14, the scripture even tells us that he is given to us as a pledge. A pledge of our inheritance. Uh, different translations might translate this word pledge differently. A pledge that is given. This is actually a financial term. Have you ever heard of earnest money? When someone gives something in earnest or it's called earnest money. You might even come to understand this as like a down payment. You make a down payment on a house. And when you make that down payment or when earnest money is given, that earnest money is given with your promise that you're going to do what? That you are going to bring the rest. That you will pay the rest. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a pledge. This is a, a word, a regular feature of the Greek business world. This word pledge, it is the Greek word Arabon. Arabon. It was part of the purchase price of anything. It was paid in, in advance as a guarantee that the rest would in due time be paid. Again, who makes the pledge? Who makes the promise? It is God. And he gives to us the Holy Spirit as an Arabon. A guarantee that the rest will come. You see, there's an aspect of, of us in, in, that, that we, could, we could clearly say it. And, and I can clearly say today. That I'm saved. And I don't make that statement to you. Based on a feeling that I have. Because feelings are dangerous. In fact your feelings can betray you. Feelings are flaky. But I can make a statement that I am saved. Based on the promise of God that I have in Christ. And that's it. It's not based upon my performance of what I do one day or what I do the next. It's really, really important that we as believers come to understand that what we do is not who we are. Our identity in Christ is not based on what we do. Our identity in Christ is based on who or what Christ has done for us. Our identity is who we are in him by virtue of his good deed and his righteousness and his faithfulness and his commitment and what he did for us. 
I am today, I can't say that I am a saint based on what I do, but I can say that I am a saint based on what he did for me. And over 60 times in the New Testament, believers are identified not as sinners, but as saints. And yes, saints who still sin. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. But my salvation in Christ is not based on anything that I do. It's based on everything that he has done for us. And he gives us the Holy Spirit with a promise and a pledge. It's not my promise or my pledge to him. It's his promise and his pledge to me. He's given as a pledge of our what? Our inheritance. Our inheritance, everything that we have promised to us in Christ that has not happened yet. So you see, I can say, I can say I'm saved, but I can also say to you that I am being saved. You say, Brother Allen, how are you being saved? Paul tells us in Romans 5, we're saved by his life. His faithfulness, his goodness, his righteousness daily operating in my life is saving me. His life saves me. His life is saving me and preserving me and keeping me for a whole lot more that is to come. The full inheritance one day this is all going to culminate and come to an end in what is known as glorification. We start with justification, we move through sanctification, and we come to glorification. Where the sinful, uh, the sinful uh, body, if you will, and it's not that the body is sin, but where the sin is housed within our physical bodies, that's going to come to an end. We're going to die. And we're promised in Christ a new body and a new life. And we're promised a, a new heaven. And we're promised a new earth. And we're promised an existence beyond this life in a new body that will never die. That is glorification. That is the, the end of the journey of my salvation journey and your salvation journey in Christ. Justified sanctified but one day I'll be glorified so how can I live my life with any assurance that the full inheritance is going to come he gives us a pledge of his spirit and it's with a view to the redemption of, watch this, God's own possession. Who is his possession? If you're in Christ, that's you. The language that we have in the New Testament is language of such that, that we have been bought with a price we have been purchased he loved us so much that he gave his son 
that we would have life. But he's given us his spirit that we would have assurance. That the rest will come. He's given to us as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. And we hear the words of Scripture. We hear the words of Paul that God is faithful. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. We hear the words of Jesus that no one can snatch us from His hand. We hear Paul write in Romans chapter 8 that there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. Oh, when it comes to gee, am I saved today? Am I lost tomorrow? Do I feel saved today, but I don't feel saved tomorrow? Can I just decide today and then undecide tomorrow and then decide again the next? I mean, is it all, is this based on me? No. It's based on his faithfulness to me. So much more than a choice Scripture tells us there is a change. Does this mean, though, that just because I had some kind of experience where I came close, does that mean I really was changed? It depends on where your faith was. Or rather, what your faith was in. Well, Brother Allen, I, I prayed a prayer when I was nine years old. Are you trusting in the prayer? Well, Brother Allen, after I prayed a prayer and, and I just went down and some, some of my buddies went down and some of my friends went down. I thought that was just the right thing to do. Or maybe even I didn't want to feel left out and all the other kids around me were making uh, some kind of move. And, and my mother even told me, you know what? You need to go for it. It's time you got saved. Well, guess what? No one can make a decision for you in regards to your salvation. Well, I followed him in baptismal waters where I, I made a decision and I got baptized. Well, is your faith in, in the waters to cleanse you? Where was your faith when you had that experience? And make no mistake about it. There is only one way to God. And it's not through a prayer. And it's not through baptismal waters. And it's not through church membership. And it's not through anything else. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father but through me. It is faith in Christ and faith in Christ alone. 
So there is a possibility that maybe some of us, when we were younger, we had an experience, but we were not genuinely changed and transformed by God's Spirit. And maybe that's where the wrestling and that's where the uncertainty and that's where the challenge is coming from. A good friend of mine uh, years ago, um, really close to this family and still am, but he, he was a preacher for years. Would fill in and uh, actually traveled to the United States and preached. And I was very good, good friends with him and his wife. And I was even their their children's youth pastor well within the past 10 years I ran into her one day she works for our school system actually recently retired and I just began to catch up with her she's in her mid 60s and she said brother Allen you're not going to believe this I said believe what she said I just got saved and I was like what I mean, I was floored. Preacher's wife all these years, in church all these years, brought her family up in church all these years. She said, yeah, I just recently got saved. And she said, all of those years, it was like I could maybe fool others, but I knew something in me wasn't right. And I couldn't fool God and I couldn't fool myself. And she said, oh yeah, just recently I followed Christ in believer's baptism. He's changed my life. Blew me away. She evaluated the condition of her heart and her own spirituality. And she realized that many, many years went by. She was playing Christian but she really wasn't changed. So as you stand with us today, as we begin to wrap up our time this morning, Father God, we come to you, Lord. We desire to know truth of your word and truth of your heart. And Father, if there's anyone here today, Lord, who has genuinely, place their faith in you and they've experienced the change Lord that comes through faith I, I pray God that you'd give them assurance I pray that they would feel your promise and your love and your spirit coming around them and they would not trust their feelings but they would trust you but Father I also pray for anyone who's here today, God. Anyone who might have had a religious experience. They came close. But not close enough. So Lord, if there's anyone here. Who needs to be changed. Who needs the transformation. No matter their age. I pray God. That listening and believing they would find new life in you. Cody's going to close us in this time of invitation. Our prayer counselors are going to slip out. If you need to come forward for any reason, anything pressing 
upon your heart. You can always find one of our prayer counselors. And I believe that our invitation actually began when we started preaching. It didn't begin just now. It started when we began so much early on. If you need to come for any reason at all, I'll be here. Our prayer counselors will be here. Cody, you, you lead us out this morning, brother, and then we'll be dismissed. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you've benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.